we started our new ministry year with this theme of firm foundations. And uh, we're going to spend this whole year looking at how do we build our lives, how do we build our families, how do we build our marriages, how do we build everything around us on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and his word. Um, and so we want to do that just not as individuals, but also as a church. And so this next couple of weeks of this opening series, we're going to be looking at what are the foundational pieces of our church? What makes harvest harvest? And how, more importantly, how are those foundational pieces connected into and founded on God's word to help us think about how we do church and how we should do church, how God wants us to do church? Um, I don't know about you, but the, the cry of my heart and of our staff and of our leadership is we don't want to just come here and do our thing, right? This isn't for us on Sunday mornings. We're here to do God's thing. We're here for him. We're here for, for his glory and for his worship. And so we want to do church the way he wants it done. And that's laid out in his word for us. And so we want to see what that looks like over the next several weeks. So today we're going to start with the mission of what the church is, which is to make disciples. And that's going to start in Matthew chapter 28. So grab there and go to Matthew chapter 28, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 16 through 20 this morning, uh, kind of primary verses when we think about the mission that Jesus has given to his church. We're going to unpack these and see what it means for us today as a church family. So when I was growing up, I loved watching the Mission Impossible movies. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all are like, yeah, I'm too young for that. Uh, go back. They're really awesome, right? But you, okay, that's good. So like, just to set it up, there's like a billion of them and they're, spoiler alert, they're all the same. Okay, but they're still good. So Ethan Hunt takes on the world's most notorious threats, saving us all beyond our understanding from utter destruction, right? And, and it's always the same thing. It always starts with him getting some like cryptic message that says this, this is your mission, should you choose to accept it, right? And of course he does, and then he single-handedly devises the plan that saves the entire world from utter chaos, right? That's pretty much the movie. And it, it is, it's insane, and it's ridiculous, and it's unrealistic, and I love every minute of it. I'm just being honest, right? Um, and I, I think it's because there's something inside of us, or something inside of me at least, I think us as humans, that likes to believe that we can overcome impossible things, that we can conquer things, we can by our own strength, like we can, I can get this done if I just figure it out, if I just get the plan, if I just figure out, you know, I get the right thoughts, I get the right purpose, I get the right skills in place, I can do this. But too often, that's not the case. And if you've lived life for very long, you know that so often the world comes kind of crashing in against our hopes and our dreams and all of our big aspirations, and, and we get crushed underneath the weight of everything else around us, and it feels like we can't reach what we're trying to get to. We can't achieve the mission that's been put in front of us. And I think sometimes as Christians, even as a pastor, we can feel this way when it comes to God's mission. Because sometimes it just... We want, we know it. If you've been around church very long, you probably already know it. And we want to do it because we love Jesus. We want to do what he wants us to do. But it just feels so overwhelming, so unattainable, so impossible at times. Like how on earth am I going to help others actually follow Jesus? Because I'm, sometimes I feel like I'm barely doing it myself. 
But nonetheless, the mission still stands. And so we need to look into God's word and figure out how do we do this? How does this actually happen through the people that God has put in his church? How do we faithfully follow Christ and fulfill his mission here on earth? And I would summarize it like this as we look at Matthew 28 this morning. We glorify God by making disciples in Christ. Say that again. We glorify God by making disciples in Christ. We're going to look at all three of those components of the mission this morning here from Matthew 28. So start with me in verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the first part of the mission this morning we're going to look at is to glorify God. Glorify God. Verse 16 starts off and it says, now the 11 disciples. All right, Judas has already went away. So we got 11 left. So these, this, these are, these are Jesus's guys, right? Like this has been his squad for the last three years. He's been pouring into these guys. And now they are set up to be the seed of growing his church. And so he's told them like, hey, I want you to go meet me on this mountain. So they went to the mountain, which the, Jesus had directed them. So they're going to meet Jesus. What they don't know is they're going to meet Jesus to get their final instructions before he leaves earth. Right? So this is a big moment. And it says when they saw him, they worshiped him. Don't rush past that statement. Because you see, they've seen him hundreds of times before this. They spent every day, every moment for three years with this guy. They have seen him over and over and over again. But this time it's different. Now things have changed, and their response to him has changed because of the resurrection. They used to follow him, but now they worship him. No, he's no longer just their teacher or their leader or their counselor. He is their God who is worthy of their worship. And so everything has changed. Seeing somebody come back to life after being dead for three days, we'll do that to you. Like this, like, like there's something different now. So they came and says they worshiped him when they saw him on the mountain. And then it has this really peculiar statement. It says, but some doubted. Right? So remember who we're talking about. We're talking about the 11 disciples, the 11 apostles. Like they were definitely saved. They were definitely disciples of Christ. They're getting ready to go out and spread the gospel in the church all over the world. And they all worshiped him, and yet some doubted. So they didn't doubt that he was God, because it just says they worshiped him. They didn't doubt his status, but they're starting to doubt his strategy. Right? They're doubting his plan, his, his process, his path. 
They're going, okay, first he comes down and he lives this kind of nomadic life as an obscure teacher traveling around all these different cities. And he, he's a very, very humble, but also very powerful leader. And, we, and then eventually he allows himself to be humiliated and arrested and crucified. We think it's all over. We're ready to hang it up. And then he comes back to life. Now he's been walking around for 40 days in this supernatural body. And so in their minds, they're thinking, all right, surely this is the moment. Finally, the Messiah is going to rise up and conquer the Romans and put Israel back where it's supposed to be. And everything's going to be good. Like he's here to finish the job. And Jesus is like, nope, I'm out. Right? Like I'm going to go back to heaven and I'm going to leave all of this for you all to do. And let's be honest, when I read that, I'm sitting there going like, really? These guys? Like, have you read the Gospels? Like, like all throughout the Gospels, these guys are messing up. They're fighting with each other. They're rebuking Jesus. They're, they're falling away. They're lacking faith. I mean, they struggled to follow Jesus. They struggled to stay on mission. Sometimes I think we think about the apostles, we think about the, the guys in the Bible as like these kind of like human, but not really human, like the kind of supernatural humans that were able to do things that normal people like us can't do. That's not what we see in the Gospels. These guys had some issues. So I'm saying like, like really, Jesus, these are the guys you want to set the foundation for your church? These are the ones you chose? And I think they felt it too. I think they felt that uneasiness of like, we're not, we're not ready. We're not fit. We, we can't do this on our own. And they were feeling that and Jesus knew they were feeling that. And so he reassures them. He says some worship, but some doubted. Here's the remarkable thing. Some worshiped, some doubted, but Jesus called all of them. To be on mission. He didn't give anybody a pass. Right? Like every disciple of his, whether they were fully in or whether they were still on the fence, whether they were fully confident in the Lord or whether they were still doubting his plan, whether they were faithful and sold out or questioning and hesitant, he called them all to the mission and he still does the same thing with us today. Some of you in here right now, you're still new to this whole following Jesus thing and you're trying to figure it out. And that's great, man. We're so glad you're here. We love that you're here. We want to help you in any way that we can. Some of you have been around for generations in the church. Regardless of where you're at, regardless of how much confidence you have in your abilities or his abilities or the word, like, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's calling you to the mission. Every single member on mission. Every single disciple is a disciple maker. That's what Jesus is saying. And he backs it up with this. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, at first, that might sound like a flex, but it's really not, right? Like, like he's, he's saying this to reassure them, to graciously tell them, like, listen, 
I know you're doubting. I know you're scared. I know you think you can't do this, and you're kind of right, but I'm here. I'm the only true God, and I fully deserve your worship, your devotion, your trust. I deserve your commitment because you have seen my glory manifested in your life. You've seen it. You've experienced it. It's changed you. And so I'm calling you to this, and you need to trust me. Jesus calls every disciple to follow him on mission because we have, all of us have experienced the life-altering glory of Jesus Christ. And just to be clear, because I don't know what kind of church background you're coming from or, or, or what you've experienced in past churches, but I just want you to be clear here. Like, listen, the reason we serve the Lord, the reason we work, the reason that we move on mission is to glorify him. It's a response to his grace in our lives. It's not, a, it's not a thing where we're required and so we have to bear it up and just have to, to grit our teeth and go do the work. It's not something where we earn God's love or we earn God's approval because we're doing this thing for him. We serve and we work and we follow the mission because he has changed our hearts and our lives and we love him and we want to respond to that grace. And so here at Harvest, when we call you to join the mission, when we call you to serve, when we call you to step up and do some things, it's not out of guilt, it's not out of obligation, it's not out of duty, it's not out of self-serving, it's for the glory of the Lord. That's the heart that we have to have in order for this thing to work. It's always been about Him. The Bible talks about in several places that our whole purpose as human beings, the reason we were created by the, by the God of the universe was to give him glory. Everything revolves around that. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything in your life is meant to put glory on him. Matthew 5.16 Jesus said this, he said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So as, he, as they see you working, as they see you serving, as they see you loving, the whole purpose of that example is so that they might see Jesus in you, which then gives glory back to the Father. It's about his glory. This is why we do everything that we do. That's the point of the mission. And that is the purpose that we're living for. You know, this past Sunday um, marked a very important and painful memory for our country with 9-11. And uh, this week we were riding in the car and our girls were asking me some questions again about, like, where were you when it happened and what were you doing and then, like, when the towers fell and all. Like, so we were having these conversations and it just got me thinking back to all of that and all the events of that and, and kind of, you know, being removed a while now, I look back and I see a very important lesson, I think, for us in the events of 9-11 when it comes to life's purpose. Because, you see, I believe that that dreadful day was the result of a collision of many different people's views of their life purpose. 
You had the terrorists, obviously, who were giving their life's purpose to attacking and destroying a country that they'd been indoctrinated to hate. On the flip side, you had guys like Thomas Burnett, this regular, everyday business executive who finds himself on a plane being hijacked and decides to give his life purpose in that moment to rally some other citizens and overcome those hijackers and down the plane in a field so it doesn't hit any other buildings. You have the countless police officers and firefighters and and others who risked their lives and gave their life's purpose to run into a falling building to try to get as many people out as they could so that they could have another day of life. You have the thousands and thousands of military personnel who from that day forward committed their life purpose to going out and protecting us from further threats and taking away any attacks that might come towards us. And that's all the big kind of heroic things and the big things that we see around it, but this touches even just kind of the normal everyday lives of people. Because in that moment, in that experience, the majority of people in our country, the normal daily routine of their lives completely halted. Some for hours, some for days, some for weeks. But all of a sudden, the thing that they had been giving their life to, the the, the purpose that they had been living for every day, it just didn't matter. In that moment, it didn't matter. Tragedies like this, huge, big thing, like they tend to make us kind of pull back and look at, hey, what's really important? What really matters in this life? And from that day, we saw a resurgence of people coming back to the Lord and coming back to prayer and coming back to the churches, right? For months and months, like people were searching because they're looking for the answers to these kind of questions. Like, what are we doing here? What's the purpose of all of it? What, what is the purpose of my life? They're looking to answer these types of questions. And for us, as followers of Jesus, you know, God, God is so gracious to us. We just sang about that, like, in several of the songs we just sang this morning. And he opens up so many doors for us. So many experiences, so many opportunities, so many giftings that he gives us to use in this life. And all of those things can be great things. But none of them are the primary thing. None of them are the purpose of our life. You can be great at your job. You can be great at a sport. You can have all the time and 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 great relationships with your family, you can experience whatever it is you're trying to experience. All those things are fine and good, but they are not the purpose of your life. Our purpose is found in Him alone. We're here to give God glory with everything that we do. And without that foundation, everything you think is your purpose will end up feeling meaningless. Because it has no value apart from him. The Lord alone is worthy of my worship, and so my life's purpose is to glorify God. That's where it has to start. That has to be the start of how we understand our role and our purpose in the church. 
not just in Harvest Church, but in the church, the church of the Lord. Second part of the mission picks up in verse 19. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So part number two is this, make disciples. Right? Make disciples. He starts off and he says, go therefore, go. Go in the original language in the Greek actually means as you go. Right? So as you go throughout your daily life, as you go to work, as you go to the school, as you go to the gym, as you go to the grocery store, as you go to the gas station or home or wherever you're going, everywhere that you go, is, you're meant to have a constant posture in your heart and in your mind, a constant posture, constant lens of how can I be about making disciples in this setting? That should be infused in every single part of our life. You see, as followers of Christ, we are always on mission. We're just doing other things alongside it. But too often, if we're honest, we function in the opposite. I'm doing this, this, and this, and then if I have time alongside that, I'll try to maybe make some disciples. Jesus says, go and make disciples in everything else that you're doing. This summer, we went on that mission trip to uh, Nicaragua. Many of you were around for that and heard about that. And we were going down there to work with Pastor Junior and his church that we sponsor, the feeding center there in El Bosque. Don't put that up yet. And, um, and so we go down there and we go to visit the church. But then he's like, hey, we want you to come over here and... Um, visit this other Bible study that I've started. And so we're like, yeah, sure, we'd love to do that. And so like, it's a different part of the country. And so we travel out to the spot, and as we're going there, we find out that this Bible study is a result of this. So Pastor Junior and his family, a couple months prior to that, had went to this location, Nicaragua, for vacation. Right? So him and his family, they're there on vacation, getting some time away from ministry, getting some time to reconnect with their family. And while they're there, the keepers of the property that they're staying on start talking to him, and he ends up sharing the gospel with them, and they get saved. And they're like, hey, will you come back and do a, do a, a Bible study with us, and we'll invite our neighbors and our friends because they need to hear this. And he's like, yeah, sure. And so we go out there to check out this Bible study, and it's not even a Bible study anymore. It's like grown to another mini church. Like he's getting ready to plant another church, right? Like I just go on vacation and plant churches. That's what I do, right? Like, but it's just a great example of always on mission, Right? He, he didn't take a break from the mission just because he was on vacation or whatever else you're doing. That's what Jesus is talking about. So as you go, he says, the key word here, make disciples. That is the primary command in this text. Everything else circles around those two words. Make disciples. And he describes to us how to do it. Make disciples of all nations. In other words, anyone and everyone is a candidate to be a disciple of Christ. But too often, if we're honest, in our own hearts, and our own minds, we tend to write certain people off. Like, yeah, they're not a good candidate. Right? Like this guy over here, he's, I, 
I've, talk, I've said something to him before, and he's just not interested in anything to do with God, and so I don't want to, like, you know, press that or whatever the thing is. Or this person over here, man, they're really messed up. They're way too far gone. Like, Jesus, Jesus doesn't want them. Or I got this couple next to me this, that lives next to us. You know, I mean, they've got it all together, right? Like, they're killing it. They're, the jobs are good, and the kids are good, and the school, like, they don't even need Jesus. Or this person's intolerant, or... There's social barriers here. Like, we come up with all these excuses, and we tend to write people off like, yeah, they're not good candidates to be a disciple. But Jesus says, all nations, all peoples. As a church, we think about this kind of in two buckets, local and global. For us, in terms of local, we, our goal is to help reach all of St. Louis, all the different people, all the different people groups represented in our city with the gospel. We've been praying, if those of you with us from the core group can attest to this, we've been praying from day one that God would make our church as diverse as possible, giving the people that he puts around us in our community. Because we believe he wants his church to be made up of all peoples. And by his grace, in the last six months, we have seen that prayer being answered as more and more people are coming from all different groups and ethnicities and races, and we're seeing our church look more and more like the church of God that reaches all people. But it doesn't just start, stop there with Afton. This is why we're a part of the group called Plant Midwest. You've heard us talk about them before. We partner with these other churches in our city to help plant more churches in our city in other neighborhoods that can reach other people that we can't reach here in Afton. Because we want to be about making disciples of all nations, even right here in our own backyard. But we also want to be making disciples of all nations outside of St. Louis, and that's why we partner with a group called Great Commission Collective. This is our church planting network that we're a part of that plants churches all across the United States and all across the globe. And this last year, they uh, trained and sent out four new planters in, in the United States or planting new churches right now as we speak as a result of your continued prayer and commitment and giving that we then get to pass on some of that to them to plant more churches. And on top of that, right now, as we start into the fall, go back a slide, Gene. We have seven new planters that are going into training right now. So in this next year, Great Commission Collective will plant seven more churches in the United States in these various cities. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about making disciples of all nations, right? We get to be a part of that through prayer, through giving, through training. You get to be a part of it. And so be in prayer for these guys. Be in prayer for this class as they're training up this fall and spring and then heading out next year. And then also, I just mentioned earlier, Nicaragua, we partnered with Mana Worldwide this last year to help start a feeding center for a church plant there in Nicaragua. And so we're partnering with them to make disciples there in El Bosque and in other parts of Nicaragua as well. This is what it looks like to be a part of making disciples of all nations. This is the heartbeat of our church. And so... He says, go make disciples of all nations, and then he says this, baptizing them. That's the next phrase, baptizing them. Now, some people can kind of get tripped up on this. Let me just kind of clarify for a moment, okay? In the New Testament, baptism and salvation 
always go hand in hand. Always go hand in hand. You get saved and you get baptized, boom, that's how it works. So when he says here, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, that's basically Matthew's like shorthand way of saying, give them the gospel, and when they get saved, baptize them and lead them into discipleship. He's not saying skip the gospel, okay? That's not what he's saying. They always are go hand in hand. And so the lesson for us here is that discipleship doesn't start here with the church people. Discipleship starts with evangelism going out and telling lost people the gospel so they can be saved and then baptized and then further discipled. It all starts with the gospel. For you, for me, it started with the gospel. We all have to understand that we are born sinners away from God, rebelling against his word, disobeying what he says, deserving of his punishment and his wrath because he is a holy God. And yet, out of his love and his grace for us, he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to come and to be born as a man, to live a perfect and sinless life, and then to go to the cross and die a sinner's death. To be a substitute for you and I. He stood in our place. He took the wrath and the punishment and the death that we deserved. And he went into the grave. And three days later, he rose back to life. To prove that he was God. And to say, hey, I've conquered sin. I've conquered death. If you will turn away from your sin and you'll put your faith and your trust in me, I will save you and turn you into a whole new thing. A whole new person. That's what a disciple is. Someone whose heart has been changed by the gospel, by putting their faith in Jesus Christ, is baptized and then starts walking with Christ as a new person. And so for us, who are disciples already, to be a disciple means that we need to make disciples by first sharing the gospel with those who do not yet know Jesus. He says, go baptizing them and teaching them all that I commanded you. Jesus says, everything I've taught you, teach them that. That's what they need to know. And for us today, thankfully, he has compiled all of that for us in a book called the Bible. All of Jesus' teachings and commands that we need as disciples of Christ are right here. You don't need any other spiritual book. You don't need any other Christian devotional book. You don't need any other speaker or their opinions on spiritual things. You need this book right here. This is all that Jesus taught and commanded. Are there other resources that are sometimes helpful to help us understand what this says? Absolutely. But it still comes back to what does the Bible say? His word is the foundation for our faith. And when we think about the word disciple, if we actually define that, it actually means learner. Someone who learns, right? And so to be a disciple, to be a learner of God's word and all that Jesus taught, we need three characteristics. So three characteristics of a disciple are this. Number one is humility. It starts with humility. It starts with me admitting I need this, right? Like I don't know and I need to learn some things from God. I need to learn from his word. I need to be humble enough to say, God, please teach me. Instead of, hey, I got this figured out. 
It starts with humility. Number two, I need a hunger. I need a hunger for God's word. I, I need to want to learn. Some people think that when they get saved, that God's just going to somehow like supernaturally pour it all into you. It doesn't work that way. He gave us a book for a reason. He wants us to read it and to learn it. And so I have to, in my heart, I have to have a desire, a hunger to want to learn from the Lord and pursue that through Bible study and prayer and small groups and all of that. And then lastly, I need to have a heart. It can't just be about my head. The learning that we're talking about is not just a mental ascent. I need to have a heart that loves the Lord and loves to follow his word and to live my life according to what I'm learning. That's what a disciple looks like. And we catch that last part, especially when he says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Right? It's about the right heart that leads to the right actions. If you know God's word and you say you believe God's word, but you don't ever do it or follow it, you're missing. You're missing a key part of being a disciple. Jesus calling us to teach others how to live out their faith, not just to know it. Here at Harvest, we oftentimes say this, it's about application, not just information. It's not about just a bunch of head knowledge. We don't want a, big, a bunch of big Bible fatheads around here. That's not what we're going for. We're going for people who actually love the Lord and want to live out what his word says. This is the whole focus of our small group ministry. For those of you who are in it, you know it's like we focus almost exclusively on application of God's word in our small groups because that's what we need. We need to learn it, but then we need to apply it to our lives. And if you're new to our church and you're not in a small group yet, man, we would encourage you, get in a small group. We are a church of small groups. That is where real discipleship happens. That's where you're going to grow. That's where you're going to continue to walk with the Lord. You need to be in a small group. This is what it looks like to make disciples everywhere we go. Courtney and I, my wife, we, we oftentimes kind of talk or joke around that like the one job that we would never want is President of the United States. I mean, that level of responsibility and scrutiny and decision-making for over 300 million people is just unbearable. This is why they always look like they, they age 10 years in a four-year term, right? Because it's a lot. But the thing, I, the thing I think that is most striking about that is that if you're the president, you're never off-duty. You're never not the president, right? It is literally a 24-7 job. And there are other jobs that are like that, too. I remember, like, when we were in Indiana, you know, the, the farmers around us, like, like, they were 24-7, right? If something went wrong with the cattle or the crops, or like, they, like it, was, it was on them, right, then they had to go. If you're a business owner, you feel that. Like, like, you're, like the buck stops with you, you've always got that on your mind, 24-7, you are that. If you're a pastor, if you're a parent, right? Like, you feel that 24-7. You're never not a parent. Your mind's always thinking about that stuff. No matter what other responsibilities, no matter what else you're doing, no matter where you're going, you're always that. 
That's what Jesus is saying here to his followers. Being a disciple of Christ is a 24-7 job. You're always on. You're always, everywhere you go, everything you do, you're making disciples. Friends, here it is. We are never not disciple makers. I know that's horrible English, but it makes the point. We are never not disciple makers. Everywhere we go. As a follower of Christ, I have no greater calling than to make disciples. No greater purpose, no greater calling than this right here. So the mission is this. Glorify God, make disciples, and then there's one more extremely important part. Look at verse 20 at the end. He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Glorify God, make disciples in Christ. That's number three. In Christ. Now, I know that specific phrase, in Christ, obviously is not in that particular verse. But the idea is, and we see that concept, that theme, run all through the New Testament. And so I'm going to give, there's over over 70 occurrences of this throughout the New Testament. I'm not going to read you all 70. You're welcome. But I'm going to read you several. Listen to these words. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we feel like we're failing the Lord at the mission, at our own walk, and Jesus says, that's all right, I'm here. There's no condemnation. Just keep going. Keep going on mission. 1 Corinthians 1.4 says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. The grace that you need to follow Jesus, to be a disciple, the grace that you need to help make other disciples, it all comes through Christ. You don't have to manifest it. You don't have to work it up on your own. It's in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14, But thanks be to God who in Christ always, I love this one, always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. The reason we can go out on mission and make disciples is because God in Christ is doing it through us. He's leading us out to the right people with the right words, and he's working through us in Christ to make disciples through the knowledge of his word. Galatians 3.26, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. You're all part of the family. And nobody can take that away from you. No matter what you do or don't do, you're always going to be loved by the Father. Which gives us that heart to be able to go and make disciples. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Jesus has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing that he has to offer. You don't have to earn any of that. So we're never making disciples out of guilt or shame. We're making them out of the overflow of a heart that has been fully blessed in Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You're like, I don't, I, don't know, I don't have this, I don't have that, I'm not good at this, I don't know how to speak, I don't know how to talk. about Every need, 
Every need that you have, financial, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, he will supply every need that you have to go out and make disciples through his glory in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.28, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is why we preach, this is why we teach, this is why we make disciples, is to proclaim Him so that everyone might become mature, mature disciples in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We can give thanks for everything that God has done in our lives and that he's doing through us to make disciples because it's all coming to us in Christ. And then lastly, 2 Timothy 1.9 says, God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. The reason he saved you, the reason he called you, was because of his grace in Christ Jesus. It's all about being in Christ. Following him, making disciples, is only possible in his power, through his Holy Spirit. It's not us. It's not us. It's not our programs. It's not our systems. It's not our classes. It's in Him. It's in Christ. And that's why here, going back to our text for today, Matthew 28, 20, that's why He says, I am with you always. He's making us a promise that He's going to be with us every step of the way, that we are never on this mission alone. We never have to carry the load by ourselves. We never have to muscle it with our own strength and force them and beat them over the head with a baseball bat until they finally say yes to Jesus. We don't have to do that. Jesus promises to be with us and in us and through us with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, he's talking to his disciples right before he leaves, and he says this. He says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father... Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Did you see him connect it? You will receive power through the Holy Spirit, and therefore you will be my witnesses. It all comes through the power of Jesus. Jesus is with us every moment, every step because of the Holy Spirit. He actually told his disciples it was better for them if he went away. Do you remember this verse? I love this verse in John, John 16, 7. He's talking to his disciples. He's like, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, The Holy Spirit inside us is better than Jesus beside us. Sometimes I think we get we get it twisted in our heads. Like if I if I was just if I was back in Jesus' day and I got to see him face to face and I got to walk with him and and talk to him every day, and if I could just if he was tangibly here, I would be a better disciple. But Jesus says, Nope. You'll be a better disciple 
because of the Holy Spirit in you. Because of my power in you. That's what makes us good disciples. We're never alone. He's always filling us with power for his mission. And he says at the very end, he says, to the end of the age. Jesus left his disciples here on earth to love, to serve, to work, to multiply his kingdom all the way until he returns. Do you understand that there's really no other reason for us to still be here? Right? Like if Jesus had chosen some other way to bring people into the kingdom and to make new disciples, then he would just take us home as soon as we got saved. Like there'd be no reason for us to hang out on earth any longer. Like the moment we put faith in Jesus, he'd be like, all right, come on up. But for whatever reason, as strange as it seems to us, he has chosen us. The weak, the imperfect, the broken church to be his plan A for making disciples. And there is no plan B. This is it. And so he's telling us here, don't quit. Keep going to the end of the age. Keep making disciples. Keep glorifying the Lord until I get back. Stay on mission. Because the mission isn't over until the master returns. So go make disciples. That's the charge that we have. As followers of Jesus, as the church, that is our charge. We glorify God by making disciples in Christ. This is the mission of the church, the universal big C church, which means it's also the mission of Harvest Church. We glor- this is our mission statement. You've seen it on the wall out there. We repeat this often. We glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. That's what we're about. And I challenge you, I want to challenge you in this next year. If, if, if Harvest is your church home, if this is where you're putting roots down, if this is where you're following Jesus, I want to challenge you this next year. Don't just be a recipient of the mission. Be a participant in the mission. Don't just be a disciple who takes and takes and takes and takes. Be a disciple who also is a disciple maker and is pouring into somebody else and teaching someone else and passing it on to the next person that God puts in your path. There's always somebody, there's always somebody who knows a little bit less than you that you can teach, that you can disciple. And this is what we're called to, church. Every disciple, a disciple maker. Stand with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today, Lord, and we are acknowledging, Lord, that you are worthy, Lord, that you are good, Lord, that, we, that you deserve all of the glory. And God, that is the desire of our hearts. We want to glorify you more than anything. We want to glorify you. But we're confessing to you today, God, but there, there are some things in our lives, there are some things in this world that distract us, that steal our attention, that steal our hearts, 
God, we confess and we ask for forgiveness, Lord, for the times where we have put something else in front of you. We've made something else the purpose of our life instead of you and your glory and your mission. God, we, we want to be a church that honors you. Lord, help us to daily walk with you on mission, always looking for opportunities, always looking to make disciples as we go. Give us a passion. Give us, fill us with your power through your spirit to be faithful disciple makers here in Harvest Church. Lord, do what only you can do. You are worthy. We give you our lives. We give you everything. We pray all this in Christ's name.